Hi guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here recording Lost in the Woods. Good morning or afternoon or evening, whatever time you're tuning in today. Whatever time. Whenever. Whenever. Yeah. We just had uh, some coffee out on the back deck and played with the kittens. They're so cute. They're so cute. Except for Maverick keeps trying to eat my jalapeno plant. So It's really cute though. He like admires it and he sits and stares at it. And then he gets up into the pot and is like, I'm going to eat this. <laughs> Which little does he know is going to be the worst mistake of his life. When little he... spicy surprise. Yeah. Well, he's like, I really like to eat the succulents in the other bedroom. Which, by the way, if anyone ever comes into my room and sees my dead succulents, it's not my fault. It's because my cats all eat them. Every cat <laughs> I've ever had eats my succulents. And there's nothing I can do about it. Literally nothing you can do about Except it. Except I chop the tops off and then replant them. And then they grow again. And then they eat them again. And I swear to God, they wait till they're healthy and growing before they want to eat them. So today we are going to start our case with the 911 call. Where were these children last seen? They were last seen over at the Coldine shops at the bottom of Coldine Line. I thought, was... I thought my little one had gone up to her friend. Uh-huh. And when she didn't come back about when it started getting dark, I phoned her friend and her friend's mum said she hasn't been up there. And what time was it they were last seen? Pardon? What time were they last seen? At about half past five. It's not like her to go, you know, too far away unless she's going usually to a friend's house. And who am I speaking to now, Mrs? Hadaway. Hadaway, H-A-D-A-W-A-Y, is that? Right, yeah. Who's the other mother, Mrs? Uh, Mrs. Streeter. Uh, sorry, Mrs. Fellows. Right, and they're two nine-year-old girls? Two nine-year-olds. Any idea what they were wearing? Yeah, my daughter was wearing a grey pleated skirt and a green coldine jumper with coldine school written on it. Yeah, what? A green sweater, you say? Green sweater. Right, and the other girl? Green trainers, white socks. Um, I haven't got the faintest idea. So what was Nicola wearing? A pe- peachy brown sweatshirt and a checked skirt. I've got no socks on this shoes. Red shoes, no socks. Sorry, peachy brown sweatshirt. And a brown um, striped skirt, checked skirt. All right. I'll get somebody to come and see you. If they return in the meantime, if you can let, let us know. And uh, try and check around to various other yeah, people. Yeah, we've been walking around for hours. I've nearly collapsed. Yeah. Well, I'll get somebody to come up and see you. Okay, Okay, so that was the 911 call for our case today, which is the Babes in the Woods murders. So this is the story of Nicola Fellows and Karen Hadaway. This case occurred in 1986. So there is multiple cases that are called the Babes in the Woods murders, which I thought was really weird. This particular Babes in the Woods case is the UK one. So if you've heard of the other ones, this is not that. Nine-year-old Nicola Fellows and 10-year-old Karen Hadaway lived in the same council estate known as Molescombe. Council estate? What? It's like a neighborhood from what I can tell. And it is in North Brighton. Both families knew each other prior to moving onto the street. So they've known each other for a while. Okay. Nicola's parents are Susan and Barry. And also, um, Susan only has one eye, and Barry was in prison during Nicola's older brother's birth. Yep. 
I don't know why those are important facts. They're not, but interesting. Fun fact. And her brother's name is Jonathan. So Nicola was born in 1977, and she was two years old when they moved to Newark Road. So Karen's parents were Michelle and Lee, and she had an older brother named Darren, and she had a younger sister named Lindsay. Now, Lindsay was born in 1981, and it was shortly after this that the family moved to Newark Road. Both girls were described as sensible but cheeky. I don't even know what that means. What does cheeky mean? Outgoing, cheeky, like... I was thinking, like, um, sassy. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're cheeky. Like we don't, we don't use cheeky here. I've never called anybody cheeky in my life. Okay, so Nicola was often described as nervous around her father, and he once threatened to cut her fingers off for stealing. <laughs> Wonder if that was a serious threat. I would think not. Maybe. I mean, it says that she was nervous around her father. So the threat was witnessed by her school headmaster. Mm, don't threaten your children in front of school people. Yeah, you guys do that at home. Um, Barry was known to have a temper, but the family claimed that he would never hurt Nikki and believed the threat was to discourage her from stealing again. Makes sense. So either he's a violent man or he's... Or he's kind of funny. Just like a normal parent. Yeah. So on October 9, 1986, both girls finished school at 3.30. They were outside playing together like normal. Karen's mom, Michelle, told her not to be long because she had tea in the oven. What does tea in the oven mean? Do they make tea in the oven? Do you guys make tea in the oven? We need to know. Thank you. And this would be the last time she would see her daughter alive. Oh, shit. Nicola Fellows, mother, Susan, last saw the girls outside playing at approximately 5 p.m. And they were playing with roller boots. Which is like roller skates, I believe. At 5.15, a police officer came across the girls in Wild Park, and this is what he said in a crime watch reenactment? Yep. 5.15 last Thursday, I was walking through the park. I saw two girls under the tree, swinging on the tree. I approached them and told them asked them what they was getting, what they was doing up there. Now, come on, what are you doing up there? So, I mean, he obviously wasn't concerned about the girls, right? He he sees them playing in the tree. He tells them maybe to get down, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, why would he be concerned about two girls playing in a park? I know. Well, and they're 9 and 10, so I I think about that. I mean, Cordy's 12... I think at nine, nobody would be concerned if her and a friend were playing in a park. No, I don't think that. And then especially because this is the 80s. So a lot more kids unaccompanied. They then crossed back over the main A27. And this is like a busy road. Like you go, there's like a tunnel that goes underneath it or you have to go above it. Okay. And this was sometime around 545 p.m. They were seen at the fish and chip shop on Barkham Road. And then about 6, 6.15, they were seen going down the stairs to the subway that leads back to the Wild Park side of A27. 
From there, they were seen at about 6.20 by 16-year-old Tracy Cox, who actually knew the girls. And this was outside of another fish and chips place, which must just be everywhere here. As she left, she spoke to them and walked them back over the main road into the estate, so their neighborhood. And this is where she left them. She told them that it was probably about time to be getting home. Yeah. What time of year is this? October. Oh, so cold. hell yeah, it's getting dark. Go home, ladies. Yeah, at 6.25, Michelle Tippett was walking down Barkham Road after delivering papers on the estate when she ran into the girls, and she asked them where they were going, and they said that they were going to Wild Park. She said that they had better ask their parents first, and she said that they ignored her, and she specifically remembered Nicola repeatedly telling Karen, come on, let's go to the park. Why are they going to the park? I don't know. Isn't it like getting dark? Yep. They then cross over the A27 again and are seen outside the entrance of the park. And then they are seen near a police box on Lewis Road. And this is about 0.3 miles from their home. So roughly about a four-minute walk. Mm -hmm. When both girls failed to return for their bedtime, Karen's mother, Michelle, called 999 to report them missing. Where were these children last seen? They were last seen over at the Coldine shop at the bottom of Coldine Line. I thought, was... I thought my little one had gone up to her friend. Uh-huh. And when she didn't come back about when it started getting dark, I phoned her friend and her friend's mum said she hasn't been up there. And what time was it they were last seen? Pardon? What time were they last seen? At about half past five. It's not like her to go, you know, too far away unless she's going usually to a friend's house. And who am I speaking to now, Mrs? Hadaway. Hadaway, H-A-D-A-W-A-Y, is that? Right, yeah. Who's the other mother, Mrs? Uh, Mrs. Streeter. Uh, sorry, Mrs. Fellows. Right, and they're two nine-year-old girls? Two nine-year-old. Any idea what they were wearing? Yeah, my daughter was wearing a grey pleated skirt and a green Coldine jumper with Coldine school written on it. Yeah, what? A green sweater, you say? Green sweater. Right, and the other girl? Green trainers, white socks. Um, I haven't got the faintest idea. So what was Nicola wearing? A peachy brown sweatshirt and a checked skirt. Red shoes, no socks. Sorry, peachy brown sweatshirt. And a brown um, striped skirt, checked skirt. All right. I'll get somebody to come and see you. If they do return in the meantime, if you can let, let us know. And uh, try and check around to various other yeah, people. Yeah, we've been walking around for hours. I've nearly collapsed. Yeah. Well, I'll get somebody to come up and see you. Okay. All right. Then. I mean, she sounds concerned, but she doesn't sound overly frantic at this point. No, she's probably not at this point. She's probably just like, my little girl's not home yet. I'm going to call the police. She's, she's with probably going to be home soon. She's with a friend, so maybe she's less worried. Yeah, maybe she just thinks that they're just Ugh. like playing around somewhere. So, I mean, she made the right decision to call the police, obviously, but like... I don't think she's probably that concerned now. Probably concerned for sure. It is also reported that both girls were scared of the dark. Ugh. So the family and hundreds of residents joined in the search for the girls along with law enforcement. And a helicopter was actually brought into the park to help search. Also a man named Russell Bishop 
a local roofer joined in the search with a skilled search dog, Misty. Yeah, and he said that she was such a good search dog that she was insured for 17,000 pounds. Around midnight, using torches, a sweatshirt was found on a footpath. It was light blue and was the Pinto brand. It was inside out and drier than the ground around it. So they don't know if it's connected, but it looks like somebody lost it recently. Mm -hmm. Do they not know if the girls were wearing it? No, it's an adult sweater. Oh, okay. They were using torches? Oh, flashlights. Flashlights, yeah. Why have they got, they call them torches? I actually like... Every time I read that, I picture I them picture like... picture like a torch. Like them actually carrying like torches, like in Beauty and the Beast when they're storming the castle. Like just like stomping through the park with torches. Yeah. So it was reported that at 7 p.m., two young boys, men, were seen running from the park. And these, these guys were not identified. There was also a report of a man in a blue car three weeks ago... Who was trying to lure young girls into his car? Also was never identified. Right. And do they think this guy's going to come forward and identify himself? I or mean, what? <laughs> if you were the man in the blue car that was trying to park, lure a little girl, get in touch with us so we can exclude you from this investigation. investigation. So it would be the next day around 4.20 p.m. that the bodies of Karen and Nicola would be found in Wild Park. So this would be October 10th. Yep. They were huddled together with Karen's head resting on Nicola's lap. And this was Karen's mom, Michelle, on Crime Watch. My Karen wouldn't go off with any strangers. Had to be somebody that Nicola and Karen both knew, both trusted. And it's very important for everybody, not just necessarily people on this estate, but on all the estates in Brighton, if you know something, no matter how small it seems to you, to the police, it's very important. Just get in touch with them. Ring them anonymously, you know, if you must do. Anything, no matter how small, please just get in touch with them because it could save the life of somebody else's child. Pleading for witnesses to come forward. Oh, so sad. I can't. Terrible, terrible, terrible. I don't like it. <sighs> so it is reported that two 19-year-olds and Russell Bishop, the guy that had the search dog. You know, the 17,000-pound search dog. Right. That's insured. They're the ones that found the bodies. And there are a couple different versions of this part of the story, but that was the most consistent one that I could find. Now, the autopsies of both girls showed that they were strangled and sexually assaulted. So these two 19-year-olds that were with Russell Bishop, who found the girls, said that Russell kept trying to get close to the girls. Right, and maybe was he trying to check for a pulse? What was he doing? We don't know. But it sounds like it was weirder than that because they weren't letting him get close to the girls. Right. Well, and then police received reports that Russell Bishop had been seen at that same police box where the girls had last been seen just a little bit after them. And 
that he was wearing a light blue top. Get him. Get him, boys. We got him. Lock him up. (laughs) Another thing that police were immediately suspicious about is that he seemed to have details about how the girls were positioned, but police say that he never actually got close enough where he would have seen that. Yeah. So obviously at this point, police are getting suspicious of Russell, Mr. Bishop. Oh, he's young. I thought that he was like a grown-ass man. Nope. So Russell Bishop is only 19 years old, you guys. I also read another report that said Bishop was actually 20 at the time of the murder. So we don't know. Either way, he's Young. young. Yeah. So on October 31st, 1986, Bishop was brought in for questioning and gave a series of contradicting statements and alibis. Yeah. So get this, he was questioned for a total of 51 hours, then released on bail. Which I don't know how it works there, but or he, back then. Or back then, right. So I don't know, released on bail is a weird thing to me because they didn't arrest him. So Yeah, I don't know if someone has an explanation for this and they feel like giving it to us. I would uh, love it if you know how the uh, justice system in Britain worked in the 80s. Yeah. Russell Bishop was 19 and lived with his pregnant partner, Jenny Jackson, and their son. So he has one son and his girlfriend is pregnant. Bishop was born in February of 1955 in Brighton to a domineering mother. He was the youngest of four brothers. After educational problems and dyslexia, Bishop was sent away to special needs school called St. Mary's Harem. The poor boy was just dyslexic. I know. In East Sussex. When he was 15, he ran away and hitchhiked home to Brighton. At the time of the murders, he was working as a roofer and living in a ground floor flat in the Hollington area of Brighton. He was fined 200 pounds for burglary in 1984. He also stole car radios and hot-wired vehicles. So live in the life. Him and his girlfriend lived only half a mile away from the girls. Oh, and he was also having an affair with a 16-year-old who lived down the street. Not only that, but he has a kid and his girlfriend is pregnant, and he's having an affair with a 16-year-old girl. He's shagging a 16-year-old girl. Yeah, dude. Russell Bishop had ties to the families of both girls, mainly Nicola's father, who he played football and cricket with. Also, Bishop knew the tenant, Dougie Jude, who lived with Nicola's family. Yeah. And Bishop had visited the home the day the girls went missing to speak with him. Right, and they told him to leave because Dougie wasn't home. And it sounds like they were not a fan of Bishop's. And they actually told the girls to stay away from him because of this. Probably because he was creepy. Yeah, but he still got Nicola and Karen to run errands for him and his girlfriend. So he did interact with them. Yeah, well, you You can pay a 9 and 10-year-old to basically do any errand for you or any chore. Oh, for sure. For sure. On December 3, 1986, Bishop would be charged and remanded in custody. He said that he lived in fear of what the inmates would do to him. Good. Good. 
while in jail and refused to eat anything but biscuits and Kit Kats because he was convinced that somebody was going to poison his food. Yeah, reasonable. Biscuits and Kit Kats, though? Why couldn't somebody poison your biscuit? Yeah, so I wonder if that's like some sort of packaged thing. I don't really know. Okay, so on December 10th, 1987, the trial lasted four weeks and consisted of eight women and four men. The jury, obviously. Yep, and you guys, Bishop is acquitted after only two hours. But there were a couple issues with this trial. Right, so... First, there was no time of death for the girls because their temperature was never taken. Mm. So placing him there at the time of their death would be impossible. The prosecution suggested that they died between 6.15 and 6.30. But there's no actual evidence. Right. The hand and finger marks around the girls' necks were not measured and fingerprints were not taken. There was blood found on Karen's underwear And this was not analyzed. Why the hell did this go so wrong? I don't know. So the blue, remember the blue Pinto sweater? Yes. So this was discarded near Molescombe Railway Station. But there was a problem with the chain of custody and possible contamination that allowed the defense to cast doubt on it. Bishop, of course, denied that the sweater belonged to him, even though his girlfriend had told police that it belonged to him. (laughs) But, of course, she later lied in the witness box and said that she had never seen the sweater before. The judge, Justice Sheeman, directed the jury that they must be sure that the girls died before 6.30 or they would have to acquit Bishop. And there was a witness that said they saw the girls alive at 6.30 and another saw Bishop leaving Wild Park at 6.30. Okay. So reasonable doubt, I guess, if the judge is saying you have to believe that the girls died before 630. Why? I don't, because that's when he left the park. So he would have had to kill them before 630. What if he, what if someone got their time wrong? Exactly. Even so, could he have not gone back into the park? If the girls, but we don't even know when the girls died. So it. (sighs) Here's something that muddies the water a bit. So in February of 1988, Marion Stevenson, a former girlfriend of Bishop, alleges to police that she had saw Barry Fellows, so Nicola's father, watching a video of his daughter being sexually abused by their lodger, Dougie Jude. Right, and remember, this is Bishop's friend that lived with them. So I I think this just casts suspicion, probably, on Nicola's father, but... As far as I can find, police didn't necessarily believe this claim. Um, yeah, so first off, former girlfriend, why are you watching this man watch a video of his daughter being sexually abused? I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. I, I, I find that very unreliable because it's years later. If that actually happened, they're not going to be watching a video like that yeah, just around know. anyone, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's super weird. On February 1, 1990, a 7-year-old Brighton girl is snatched off the street while rollerblading and shut into the boot of Bishop's car. He drove her to Devil's Dyke, where she was sexually assaulted, strangled, and left in a bush. Now, she actually survives this, 
and crawls to the road for help. And this occurred only miles from where Nicola and Karen were Wait, found. Wait, he's not in prison or anything? No, he was acquitted. Oh, fuck, yeah. Wait. So he just... Yeah. So this sounds very similar. And I'm assuming that he strangled her to unconsciousness and thought that she was dead. Yes, because it is extremely hard to strangle somebody. Jesus, she survived? Yeah. Holy fuck, that girl is never going to be okay. No. So on February 4 of 1990, Bishop is arrested and charged with attempted murder. Yeah, now that judge is like, oh, he was acquitted. Oh, shit. Yeah. Indecent assault and kidnapping. And Bishop had been called in as part of an identity parade, and the seven-year-old victim had identified him that way. In the police station... Prior to the identity parade, Bishop tried to disguise his appearance by wetting his hair to make it look darker, and police noticed this and made him dry it before the lineup. By the way, I like that it's called an identity parade. We call it a lineup here, but I kind, of, I kind of like it. So the girl did pick Bishop out of the lineup. He was arrested and remanded into custody awaiting trial. A DNA match was made. Also... She remembered a hammer, spray can, and spanner in the car boot, all of which they found in Bishop's car. <laughs> there were matching tire tracks, fibers from the boot on the girl's jumper, and paint from the car on her roller skates. So you're not weaseling your way out of this one, Bishop. No. So on December 13th, 1990, Bishop was convicted of attempted murder and sentenced to life in prison with a minimum non-parole period of 10 to 14 years. I'm sorry, but that is not long enough. No, it's not. Because now, obviously, that he's been caught with this trying to kill another young girl. Like, obviously, he's already killed two young girls that he stood trial for and was acquitted. Mm-hmm. Like... I know. In February of 1994, Bishop abandoned attempts to sue the Sussex Police Department for wrongful arrest and imprisonment in 1986 and 1987. He abandoned it. He was like, well, shit, this isn't going to work. And that was for the first two murders. So he's trying to sue the police department for wrongful imprisonment back then, or had been. And then he abandoned it. He abandoned it in 1994. Kind of funny. So on the 23rd of July, 2002. 2002. That's so long. Oh, it was one years old when this happened. Yep. Evidence is re-examined in the Nicola and Karen murders at the Forensic Science Service using new technology. Gotta love the new technology. And this might sound familiar to you. In April of 2003, the Criminal Justice Act revoking double jeopardy is passed and becomes the new law. And now Bishop can be tried for the same crime twice as long as there's new compelling evidence yes like dna so in august of 2003 results of dna tests on the blue pinto sweater provide the hope that they needed for the new evidence so in february of 2004 bishop is eligible to apply for parole for the first time this is for the attempted murder of the seven-year-old yes so he's Going to possibly have a chance at parole 
Yeah, he was unsuccessful in this, though. So while in prison, Bishop is rearrested and charged with the murders of Nicola and Karen. Yep. I bet he was like, shit. He's like, fuck, I was just up for parole, and now this shit's happening? So in September of 2006, Nicola and Karen's families are told that there is currently insufficient evidence to recharge Bishop. Uh, in April of 2009... Holy shit, 2009. Barry Fellows, Nicola's father, and Dougie Jude, the lodger, are arrested after Stevenson makes a second statement in 2007. So that's that witness. Fellows, on suspicion of conspiracy to rape his daughter, and Judd, on suspicion of rape. Both are released and never charged. So this is coming from that one instance of that one right and i think it's because bishop is up for parole and i think she's trying to cast suspicion on someone else so yep. that he can get accepted for parole yep or that's what a lot of people think and this did not go well for barry he not only did he lose his daughter but now he's being accused of facilitating her rape and he started having people throw paint on his house he tried moving but people wrote, don't let the fucking murderer move here. He kind of had a rough go of it. So in 2011, they re-review the evidence in the case. Uh, in November of 2013, Detective Superintendent Jeff Riley is appointed senior investigating officer. And he finds a one billion to one DNA match to Russell Bishop. And this was found on the inside cuff of the Pinto sweater. So new lead investigator looking at evidence again, He they find a DNA match. Yeah. Okay. To Bishop on the inside cuff of the sweater, which means that the sweater belongs to Bishop, even though him and his girlfriend claim that it didn't. So in August of 2014... Bishop's case was reviewed by the parole board and is being considered for release. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Mr. Heffron called for Bishop to remain behind bars and 3,500 people signed a petition in support to keep him locked up. Obviously, you don't just go around and, like, attempt to murder little girls and then, like, that urge doesn't die in you. It doesn't stop. Okay, and then in mid-2015, scientific advisor Rosalind Hammond concludes that DNA on the cuff cannot be relied on due to possible inadvertent transfer. Bullshit. So in June of 2015, new evidence is found linking Bishop to the crime based on a sample taken from Karen Hathaway's left arm. And from what I understand, this was like, a piece of they had taken a piece of tape and they had put it on her arm and then folded it and that was an evidence to like collect anything that might be on her arm and when they pulled that apart they found his DNA his DNA on May 10 of 2016 bishop is taken from franklin prison and rearrested for the murders the god the closure on this case is just like never coming on december 12th 2017, Bishop's acquittal is overturned by appeals court and Bishop is ordered to stand trial 
for a second time. And then, in April of 2018, police show up at Barry Fellow's house. When police knocked on his door, his first thought was that they had arrested somebody in the murder of his daughter. And then his second thought was, could it be about his son and what was wrong? Um, And that's when police told him they were there to arrest him. After 12 weeks, he was released without charge. He told the Independent, it took me a long time to move on from the death of my daughter, and here it was coming back to haunt me. I've done nothing wrong. All I have done is lose my daughter in the most horrific of circumstances. He also learned that there was no new evidence against him and that police were acting on the original allegations from 1987 that had been discounted already. So this one bitch just comes up and is like, I watched this man watch a video of his daughter get sexually assaulted. And, and-, and how does that even have anything to do with the murder of his daughter? And not only that, but how is the police, how the hell are the police just like, oh, yeah, this girl must be telling the truth. Like, why is this man being drugged through the mud after losing his daughter? Once he was released, he was told not to return to work by his employers because they were worried about retaliation for letting him come back to work. Nicola's mother, Susan, even went public with her support, and so did Michelle, Karen's mom. It's so weird. And then one week later, police announced that there would be no further action. They said, when there are serious allegations made in this case, alleging the sexual crimes that had been committed against a child, the public rightly expects us to investigate. After receiving information, we arrested and interviewed two men. That process and the inquiries that followed have enabled us to decide that we will not be taking action against either man. Barry said that he believed the female friend of Bishop's had restated the allegations in order to take suspicion off of him when he had his parole hearing coming up. And remember, this is the second time he's arrested. two times arrested. And he was held for a long time. But the man that they think actually killed his daughter was acquitted in court? I know. Sussex police brought in the same cold case forensic team that had helped convict the killers of Stephen Lawrence. And Stephen was murdered in a racially motivated attack in southeast London. And his case was one that helped partially abolish the double jeopardy law. Mm-hmm. So it was a big case there. So they brought Russell Bishop from prison for questioning. Yep. And here's part of the interview. So if you can just hear the question, please. Um, so I said, I'm putting the technical side of this to one side, okay? And you've told us that, refer back to what was said before, okay? But we're asking you now, that's not clear to us, okay? Right now, what, where your position stands on touching Karen's forum. Well, I didn't touch no one, so I'm innocent, and as I said, I've got no kind to make. But that's what I'm asking you. You've said you didn't touch her. Well, you've got me arms up, so right down and then move on, please. No, that's fine. I just want to be clear. You're saying you didn't touch Karen's okay. Listen, I've got no comment to make, but everything that's been said has been said. I've got nothing else to add. Please, just ask questions, let me answer it, whether it's been no comment, whatever, and move on. I'm not going to sit here like I did 13 years ago and go over and over and over around in circles. It's not happening. Please, crack on with your questions. So... What I found interesting about that interview was that they kept asking him questions about 
her forearm and if he had touched her. And he said no, that he had not. On October 15, 2018, Bishop goes to trial at the Old Bailey. Prosecutor Brian Altman told the jury that there was not only a pattern after his last abduction, but also compelling evidence. DNA on the blue sweatshirt was a billion-to-one match to Bishop. His DNA was found on the taping that had been taken from Karen's left arm, and they believed the girls were still alive at 6.30 and that Bishop had turned back into Wild Park after being seen. Now, Bishop says that he touched one of the girls after finding them, but witnesses say that that wasn't true. Well, yeah, the 19, the other, all the other people that found the body with him wouldn't let him get near the girls. Right. So I think he's trying to say now he wanted to know if they were cold or was checking for a pulse. They also found fibers on Nicola's clothes and fibers from the girl's clothes on the sweatshirt, which he was not wearing during the search. So suspicious. Yep. There were also fragments of paint found on the girl's clothes in the same color Bishop had recently painted his car. Hmm. They also found ivy hairs on the sweatshirt that matched the ones in the den where the girls were found. And I find this kind of strange. They were actually able to tell the jury that he was currently in jail for a similar crime. Which usually that kind of stuff isn't allowed into trial. Yeah, but he's in jail for a suspiciously similar crime. Yeah. A girl only a couple years younger than Nicole and Karen. Strangled, sexually assaulted. Right. It's all way too similar. That's way too similar. It is very similar. On December 10, 2008, Bishop is found guilty. The trial lasted nine weeks, and the jury took two and a half hours to reach a guilty verdict. And on December 11, 2018, Bishop received two life sentences. He will serve a minimum of 36 years in prison. After 32 years of fighting, we finally have justice for Karen and Nicola. Time stood still for us in 1986. To us, them beautiful girls would always be nine years old. They would never grow up. We've been deprived of a happy life to watch them grow into adults. What people like Bishop inflict on the families of their victims is a living death. They take the lives of children, but they also take the lives of the families left behind. Kaz and Nikki, as they were affectionately known, friends playing out together, only to have their lives wiped out by a sexual deviant, a monster. What's been hard, horrendous and heartbreaking is to hear that they were murdered by a disgusting paedophile who we actually knew and them two girls liked and trusted. He abused that trust. Heart-wrenching. Bishop doesn't deserve to breathe the same clean air as we do. After all, he decided that day to strangle the life out of our two angels, leaving them no air to breathe. What makes a man want to squeeze the life out of two innocent children with his bare hands? Unbelievable, when he had a child himself and another on the way. He's a coward without a conscience. I don't believe you can rehabilitate evil. I think Bishop was just born that way. People talk to me of forgiveness, but I can never forgive or forget what that evil monster did to my beautiful cousin Nikki. I'm trying so hard to get my head around this. 
but I will because I'm a fighter and I'll never stop being strong for my family. So, the fallout. So, both Nicola and Karen's parents divorced, which that is common, common with mm-hmm. kids. Yeah, that's pretty common. Blame all those things. And you guys, this is really weird. In 1996, Katrina Taylor, who played Nicola in a Crime Watch reenactment 10 years earlier, was murdered. Weird. Yeah. In 1998, Lee Hathaway, Karen's father, would die of a heart attack. Though his family would say that he died of a broken heart. Johnson, Bishop's girlfriend at the time and mother of his two children. Mm-hmm who originally identified the Pinto sweater as Bishop's, however, then lied under oath at the first trial. Mm -hmm. She was charged with willfully making a false statement in judicial proceedings. Oh, shit. Under the Perjury Act and committing an act or series of acts with the intent to pervert the course of justice. I like when they get them like that. So, yeah, that was the Babes in the Woods murders. I posted this on our story too, you guys, but it was posted in the news yesterday that they believe they found Tom Simonseth at Hidden Lake. Oh, today? Well, they it, they released the, it the information today. Oh, they released it yesterday? Yeah. So it sounds like a search and rescue helicopter is what actually found him. Spotted him. So they must have still been out looking to recover or something because yeah i think the last thing i read on it was actually something that like a family member posted or something like that something i saw on someone's social media that was saying that they're no longer in active search of looking for him it's all recovery now and like thank you you know all that heartwarming shit that gives me the chills and makes me want to cry yeah so i don't know if you if you don't know what we're talking about we covered the Hidden Lake Lookout case of Rachel Lackaduke, like... In the beginning of the podcast. Like a year ago, like a while, six months ago, a year. It was a while ago. And then another hiker went missing and on the same trail a year later... She went missing at the uh, end of hiking season. Right. And he went missing at the beginning of hiking season. Right. So she went missing in fall and he went missing in spring. Right. You would go you go missing for the same reasons in fall and in spring. Just like opposite... Re- just opposite. Like you run into snow coming in in the fall and in the spring you go up with too much snow still. Yeah. So... We re-released her case because we had covered that on our Patreon. Yes. But we released it to you guys um, when about uh, a, like a month ago. Yeah, whenever ago. whenever Thomas went missing. So when Thomas went missing, we re-released that case and our video footage. Yeah, we, we did also release yeah. the video footage. My mom went and did the hike. Right. I went one year to the day that she went missing. So I hiked it one year yeah, on the same day. Anniversary, yeah. But there was no snowstorm that came in the day that I did it, which yeah. is what happened to Rachel. So if you haven't heard that case, it's kind of a crazy one. Uh, we did record it with our old microphones. So, so it doesn't sound the best. And- right. Yeah. So if you haven't, if you haven't heard that case, go check it out. And we'll keep you guys updated. They haven't officially announced that it was Tom, but they did say they believe that they found Tom's body. And I think 
part of that might be they found a male body is what they wanted to make clear because they didn't want to give Rachel Lackaduke's family yeah, probably false hope. Yeah, yeah. Because I know her family. I know her family still goes up there and everything. That would be so hard to. She has to be like hidden in like a tree or something. I don't know. It would be up somewhere. It would be so hard to have this happen and then. His family gets closure, and your family so quickly, still doesn't. and your family doesn't. Yeah, yeah. So it's gonna, we're coming up on two years with Rachel Lackadoos. Yeah. So I mean, our our thoughts go out to both families. Yeah, uh, kind seriously. of a hard day for both. I think so. A uh, huge thank you to Olivia Fairhurst who helped us with research on this case. Yes, thank you so much. We love it. We appreciate it so much. Yes. Okay. So. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really appreciate you guys showing up and listening yeah, to our podcast. Thank you so much. You're um, amazing. Follow us on social media at Lost in the Woods Podcast on basically any form of social media you want to use. Go check out our Patreon if you want yeah. some more material. Or There's sticker. lots in there. You get a free sticker. Thanks, you guys. We're going to go over and record our bunker talk right now for Patreon. So uh, follow us over there. Yeah. Thank you, guys. All right. Bye. Testing, testing. Oh, when was the last time we recorded? Is that a tortilla with it's a cream tortilla cheese? With cream cheese on it on my desk. Sick. You're so gross. When was the last time we were in here recording? So we just came downstairs. I managed to knock my hand or the door. Like I opened our our recording studio or our recording room. The door is kind of heavy, and I pushed it open, and then it like kicked back and hit my hand, which was holding a cup of coffee. So my sleeve is wet, and there's coffee all over the ground, and it splattered all over the door. All here is my mom yell something that's kind of inaudible from the d- I was like, paper towels! And I was like, I think she said paper towels? <laughs> so I was like, well, fuck it. I'm grabbing the paper towels in case that's what she actually yelled. It got all over my phone because I had my phone in my hand, too. And then... We get in here and Maddie sets her coffee down and then she moves her TV tray and very her coffee. Very carefully. I was doing it very carefully. Obviously not. And her coffee just spilled everywhere. It's all over my table and I will not be cleaning it up until we will be done with this. And then we discovered that, so we both have coffee dripping, like drippy rings around our coffee cups right now. And then we find Maddie's tortilla from oh, last week. We each have our own little like desk too in here. like TV tray, yeah. TV, they're TV trays, which... Black TV trays, you know, obviously everything has to match via Marie. And um, <laughs> to be fair, we, that we was each the only like, color they had. No, they had the wood ones. Oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like the wood ones. I'm getting a wood one once I ruin this one. We'll be real opposites then. Mm-mm. She says no. Anyway, we, you know, I have stuff on my desk, you know, whatever. And I find a week old tortilla with cream cheese wrapped up like a burrito. Just chilling on my desk. She's disgusting. It's like hard. <laughs> well, of course it is. Jesus. It's a weapon. Oh, but this... So, you know, got my Ben Solo bobblehead. Mm-hmm. And the actor that plays that guy in the movies, um, Ab- Adam Diver, he just did a um, Burberry clone commercial. So, you know, obviously super random commercial. 
And I have put my screensaver as the ad logo. Perfect. The beginning ad thing. And it's pretty. Let me see what he looks like. I'll show you. This is the guy. Him? Yeah. I don't think he's cute. That's fine. You don't have to. I think <laughs> it's the act of seeing him in the Star Wars movies that really... Okay. I think so maybe have... it's the character that you have a crush on, not necessarily the man. Yes. And then his voice via the... His voice is super attractive mm. from the Star Wars movies. Okay. And then that's his actual voice. So <laughs> then there's that part. Bum, bum. Are you guys recording? Yeah. That was Hannah. That was Hannah. Wanting to know how my kitchen shelves are positioned so she can copy them. <laughs> I don't know. That's literally one of the biggest compliments when I bring people over is they're like, kitchen's cool. And I'm like, yeah, well, we have no cupboards. And then they're like, holy shit. Wait, you don't have cupboards. I'm not a fan of cupboards. I feel like they're just a place to hide a bunch of clutter. Um, Dude, I literally, if I ever eventually move out and have to live in my own place and I have cupboards, because my brain it's works be bad. My brain works in the out of sight, out of mind. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, if it's in a cupboard, it literally won't exist. Yeah, Maddie, I, I'm scared for Maddie um, having an entire living space to clutter up. And hoard things in. Hey, everyone says it's better when you move out. That you're actually more cleanly when you move out because it's like your space and cleanly you pay for it. Cleanly is not a word. I don't fucking know. What do you want me to say then? More clean? <laughs> yeah. It's cleaner? <laughs> it's more cleanly? Uh, okay. Hi, baby. What's up? Are you bored? Oh. Yeah. What's up? Oh, sure. Am I okay if you, if I play with you because you're Sure, yeah. Of course. Of course it is, baby. I you, think it's okay to eat without mommy's permission. Yeah, when mommy and Maddie are recording, we, you can... No, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that won't, that won't hurt it. You still want to eat normal because you want it to get looser. She told I cut up an apple yesterday, and she told me she couldn't eat the apple because here, come here. she had a loose tooth. Come tell, come tell our listeners about your wiggly tooth. Okay, so Phoenix just interrupted us to make what sure. Is that? Garbage cans. Jesus, fuck! That's loud. I know it's loud. Yeah, remember you thought somebody was breaking into our house when that was happening. I totally one time. did. So. We've told this story once before. I'm not sure when. It was a long time ago. But I was at the gym one day, and I was on the treadmill, and I'm working out. And Maddie FaceTimes me, and she's like, Mom, I think there's somebody in the house. Because I heard a really, really loud crashing noise when I was late to school. And then she looked on the map and saw that nobody else was home. So then I call my mother and I'm like, mom, I think there's someone in the house. Like I, I heard noise. And I was like, Madison, call 911. I jumped off of the treadmill. I grabbed my keys. I took off. I left Phoenix in childcare at the gym. Sorry, guys. Told the front desk that I would be right back and I was really sorry. And I took off and I pulled up to the house about the same time that the house was being surrounded by police. Like, surrounded. 
one one officer that showed up, and Maddie's still in the house right now. I'm in the house, in my room, on the phone, phone. with the 911 operator. Yeah. So I watch an officer go to the door, and uh, two officers, and then one gets Maddie and brings her out of the house. There's more around the back of the house. And what had happened is the first officer on scene had, like, kind of just walked around the house. And he had seen a broken window in in our downstairs. Which just happened because one of the children hit the window and it just, like, the <laughs> one pane of the window broke. So it wasn't, like, fully broken through, but, like, the outside pane of the window is broken. So he's like, oh, shit, there's an, there's an intruder in this house. And calls everybody in. Within minutes... There's like six officers. They have the street blocked off. K9 is K9 on, its, is on way. its way. They have a drone that they're sending out on its way. And cuz they think they're going to have like a pursuit or something. Yeah. I don't know. It was so embarrassing. It was literally the fucking then- garbage truck. It was the there's no way now that we hear the garbage truck and it literally sounds like someone is smashing into our house. And it sounds like it's Coming from, like, the garage area. Yeah, Yeah. and that's where I thought the noise came from because our neighbor's garbage cans get set on gravel. Yeah, so... So it's super loud. So Maddie got a lot of shit for that. Um, I'm like, thanks, guys. There's, like, literally, like, ten... I shit you not... Ten cops around me when there's nobody. There's no one in the house. They clear it was the house. So embarrassing. There's by no one the way, there. by the way, we do live close to the police station. We do live very close to the police station, and there were so many cops there, and I'm just like. It was really sorry, guys. It was really embarrassing. <laughs> it's really embarrassing, especially since all the attractive con- county cops came out, and I'm like, "Fuck!" I'm like, "Hey, guys, sorry, my bad. Just little old me, my bad." Okay, it was so, really, really embarrassing. So funny. Okay, so Phoenix just Phoenix just interrupted us to ask if she could eat salami because she already did, <laughs> but Phoenix has her first ever. Wiggly tooth. Which tooth is wiggly, Phoenix? Bottom one. So it's one of her bottom teeth that's wiggly. And she's really nervous about, like, eating things that might make it fall out. Guess who's going to be the person that pulls out that tooth? Do you know who's going to pull out your tooth? (laughs) Maddie. It's definitely going to be Maddie. Mom does not do teeth. I pulled out every one of my teeth on my own. Yep. It was actually, like, my favorite thing to do. I got so excited when I got a wiggly tooth. And then she's pulled out all of her sister's teeth as well. And then, yeah, I pulled out every... Because they're, like, freaking out. They're like, I have a loose tooth, Mom. You need to help me. And, mom and Mom's like, like nope. fuck no. Which also, I do not deal with vomit either. That is a no. I'm like, Madison, go help your sister. No, no. We have all fended for ourselves with I'm literally, up. like, I'm at the door, and I'm, like, plugging my ears, and I'm like... Make sure you pull your hair back. <laughs> Every time I'm drinking with people and they're, I'm like, oh, I got to go throw up. They're like, do you need, do you want me to come with you? And I'm like, no, I got it. I'm good. This I, is a solo act in our house. Throwing up is a solo act. Like, I do not want company. I do not need I, company. I definitely do not want company when I'm throwing up either. Well, uh, also, I'm like, everyone can hear you throwing up. It doesn't matter where ever. you are. I've never met anyone in my life that pukes It's like an louder. exorcist. It's so loud. No, dude, you it, it literally will wake me up out of the dead of night. I'm like, oh, mom's sick. It's Laying good. Back down. I'm glad that I don't get sick very often. I mean, it's been years since I've thrown up. I don't, because I don't get sick very so often. Because it's so loud. I'm sure you can hear it from the outside of the house. Phoenix, have you ever heard me throw up? 
No. No. I don't know if I have grown up around you, actually. It's pretty gross, though. It's so loud. It sounds like she's dying. <laughs> I never do up in the house or out the house. Only in the car. That's all. It, that's only the okay. only place. I Seriously, call. like one of the worst days of my life was when Phoenix threw up in the car. <laughs> it was so traumatizing. I literally. I, uh, nope. I do up like three times. Something. Yeah, she gets a little car sick, so she doesn't, she can't, like, do anything in the car. Like, she can't, like, play a game or watch a movie because it makes her super car sick. Is it fun throwing up in the car? <laughs> no. no. But when I throw up in Dad's car, Dad just needs to give me a shirt. Did Dad give you his shirt when <laughs> yeah. you threw up in the car? Yes. Like, <laughs> twice I threw up twice in his car. And he just took his shirt off and gave it to you? Yes. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> You're disgusting. I know. <laughs> uh, okay, let Mommy and Mighty finish recording. Say bye. 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 Here you go. All right. Love you.